Welcome to the Apostolic Review, a community of apostolic authors, bloggers, podcasters, and theologians. In today's episode, Pastor James Chesser interviews Dr. Clay Jackson. Dr. Jackson serves as an associate editor at the Apostolic Review. This interview allows the AR community to know him better. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Welcome in, everyone. Thank you for listening in to today's podcast. I'm thankful and very grateful to be talking with Dr. Clay Jackson. He is an associate editor for the Apostolic Review. Dr. Jackson holds a BS in biology and chemistry from Union University and holds a diploma in theology from Oxford in England, where he was awarded Examiner's Distinction and the Samuel Cox Prize in New Testament Studies. He's a bivocational pastor who maintains a private practice in medicine. He has over 30 years of ministerial experience, which includes serving as an associate missionary in Great Britain, international missions, and ministry teams in the Memphis metro area. His writing experience includes authoring a national column on the intersection of spirituality and health for the Pentecostal Herald magazine, and he co-authored a book on the apostolic family. He's also a frequent lecturer at Urshan Graduate School of Theology. He currently serves as the pastor of Arlington United Pentecostal Church in Arlington, Tennessee. He and his wife and their three children live in Memphis, Tennessee. Welcome in, Dr. Jackson. Uh, Thank you so much, Brother Chester. It's such an honor to be here. I'm so excited to be part of this uh, podcast today. I um, Listening to the bio, uh, it's a little tough to recognize that guy because it doesn't show the warts (laughs) and the blemishes and all of the the struggles and bruises sometimes it takes as we're walking through the, through the journey. I, I I was remembering uh, that, that deal with, uh, with New Testament. I don't think, uh, I don't think the examiners at Oxford were totally thrilled with my exegesis <laughs> and all of my philosophy. Um, I, I think they just couldn't believe that I had memorized uh, the scriptures because I um, uh, they had this thing on exam mm-hmm. called gobbets, and it's where they give you a text and you're supposed to comment on the text. And, uh, you know, I was a junior Bible quizzer. I, I don't know if mm-hmm. you're familiar with the program, but uh, as a child, my, uh, my pastor's wife, Mary Lee Thornton, I, I give honor to, to that couple. She, uh, she founded the the junior Bible oh, wow. quizzing program, and uh, this was in uh, the the mid seventies. And so, um, in the eighties, I was privileged to be a Bible quizzer, and so, you know, I I kind of remembered a bunch of those scriptures when I when I went for theological training. And so, when I got to exams, I I I kind of remembered <laughs> where the scriptures were, and uh, so I quote kind of this this is what Paul's saying, <laughs> this is what's before, this is what after. And I, so I I think it was sort of like a, a maybe a savant or something only on uh, where it was located. Not so much what I was saying because they criticized me for my um, lack of appreciation for the subtlety of Trinitarian mm. theology in the text. I think yeah. you can understand why that they were critical <laughs> sure. of me for that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, it was, it was a, it was a blessing to, uh, to, to learn to memorize scripture at an early age because of that program. Yes, sir. That's, a, that's, that's awesome, brother Jackson. I didn't, I didn't know that about you until I read that. Uh, just a couple of, of days ago, but it's not surprising um, to me at all. There's, there's, the, you know, really the purpose behind this. You know, I've, I know you've uh, listened to the episode of uh, Meet the Mentor and Meet the Founder, and uh, you know, we're so thankful all that's going on at the Apostolic Review. And there's, there's so many people 
that are, are coming aboard and, and listening, but really want to know more about the, the leadership. So we wanted to just take a, an, a, an episode and isolate, um, just bring you in, talk to you and get to know you better for all of our um, listening audience. So um, let's just, let's dive into some questions that we have. I have a few things that I'd like to talk to you about, but um, thankfully the Apostolic Review is also the community has submitted um, some questions as well. So if you would just, just tell us a little bit about your, your family to begin with. Oh, great. Um, I'm, uh, married, uh, much above my status as a person, the feeling. Uh, uh, down here in the, down here in the South in uh, Southeastern conference country, we say, uh, we've outkicked <laughs> our coverage and, uh, That's great. so, uh, Jana, Jana is, a a wonderful Christian. She's a, she's a marvelous life partner. And, uh, She's, uh, she's just super, um, have a, have a son who's 20 years old. Uh, he's at the university of Michigan and, uh, have two twins who are three wow. years old. So, um, we kind of got two sets and then, uh, fresh announcement. Uh, <laughs> uh we have another Excellent. child on the way. So Memorial That's day. Awesome. Yeah. Not, not busy, <laughs> not busy enough. Uh, not, not, a, not enough going on. So, uh, so we're adding, a, a wow. another to the mix and, uh, this, yeah, this this child is causing a lot of nausea right now. Oh, so man. We're, we're not a fan. Heard that, but uh, I'm I'm sure he or she's. I've always gonna, I've always heard great, it was but, some uh, right. some comedian uh, once said, you know, when you're having multiple children, I forgot the name of the comedian that said this. He said, but basically, it's like you're drowning, and then someone says, "Here, hold this baby." <laughs> <laughs> so you got your hands full, doctor. Well. Yeah, it's uh well four hands full right now with the with the twins. So they they keep life alive. Uh it's it's a lot of fun. And uh it's uh people say, Does it keep you young? And I say, Yeah, till about seven thirty at night, and then it makes me really, really old. <laughs> but uh it's 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 a fun time and, and we enjoy um journeying through life with uh with a lot of vitality and laughter and and uh and, and lessons. You know, I, uh the the one of the little guys, uh Jude, uh this week He's in the closet, and he about two weeks ago he pulled all Janice things off the shelves in the closet and the cubby yeah. holes in the closet, and dumped them in the floor. And I thought that was hilarious. Um, and then this last week he did it to my <laughs> side of the closet, which is not quite so hilarious. And uh, so his mom got on to him and said, "Oh, you should do that, and and you got to clean up." So he he says, "Jude, clean up. Jude, clean up." And uh, he said, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry." And then in the middle of cleaning up the mess, he just looks at his mom and he said. I like making mess. <laughs> I like making mess. And I think that's so true for Absolutely. all of us. I think we, we, uh, but not all of us are so it's honest that true. we have, uh, we have to be reined in, reined in by the Holy Spirit to be sanctified. <laughs> Judas not yet sanctified, but he's at least honest about his deficiencies. He, he likes making mess. Oh messes. man, that's so hilarious. That, that, that reminds me, we've got a set of twins in our church, little boys, cute, adorable little boys. And, um, one of them was um, his mother had him in a stroller and he's sitting in there and I'm, I'm getting ready to start, start preaching. And uh, somebody walked away or, or it made him feel like he was abandoned. And he, he, he looked around and as loud as he could say, he went, Oh man, <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally cracked me up. I just thought about him. He thought everybody left me. Yeah. Oh man. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yes, sir. So I want to I want to ask you this, uh, uh, Brother Jackson. What is the what is the status, in your opinion? What is the status of the apostolic scholarship and literary productivity? And how do you how do you think it compares to the past? Better than it's ever been. 
um, it, it, with the possible exception of AD 33 mm-hmm. to AD 95. Um, cause you know, those guys are writing Holy scripture. So obviously that right. you can't compete with that. Yeah. But in terms of the, in terms of the, the breadth and depth of theological contribution right now, um, the bridges are being built that, that, that never mm-hmm. been built before. Um, and we have uh, a number of folks that are that are really contributing at a high academic level. And then when you look at the ministerial literature, that's leadership yes. and Amen. personal improvement, leadership improvement um, at that level, which is not designed specifically for the academy, but is designed more for the, the practicing pastor theologian. I think the work is excellent. And then we have uh, kind of a second generation, if you will, of apostolic biographies. You know, we kind of got through the Pentecostal pioneers and sort of that group of people, the Azusa Street and immediately following first and second generation folks. But now there's some biographies that are being written of of recent missionaries um, that, that are just yeah. excellent. And the the quality, the quality of writing uh, from a devotional standpoint, an encouragement standpoint, and an academic standpoint, I find to be uh, to be quite good. I mean, it, by by example and devotion, I think that um, uh, we're we're being led to some really great places. And so uh, the the challenge right now is uh, <laughs> how to choose what to yeah, read because there's a lot of good true. material out there. And I, I, when I was younger, I kind of had a goal of, well, if, if one of our folks wrote it, I, I want to read it. And when I say our folks for anyone who might be listening, talking about the, the, the oneness yes. apostolic community, um, frankly, that's not mm. possible anymore. Uh, there's true. too much good material out there that I want to read. So, be a little more selective. And that, that's a, a wonderful position to be in. I, I think right now we have an embarrassment of riches of people who are extremely talented, they're anointed, and they're uh, dedicating themselves to uh, to doing that. So, you know, the, the self-publishing game has changed. Um, the, uh, the digitization of uh, editorial contributions has changed. The ways that people can repurpose material through multiple platforms has changed. And so I think all of this is kind of snowballing um, where people are provoking one another to good works and uh, lots of good things. Yes, sir. I, t- I totally agree. It's a wonderful time to be apostolic. And uh, what a what a, an incredible amount of resources we have at our hand now. And it's just like, I, like you said, there's so much coming out. It just seems like every week there's a new apostolic release of, of, of a book someone's putting together or a, an additional uh, piece of work from from apostolic authors. And it's just, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, with this group, with the Apostolic Review, it's been such a blessing to me personally. I love I love joining and helping and being a part of it. But man, what a blessing it has been to me. Uh, personally, um, the amount of uh, references, encouragement, and all the wonderful things that, that come out of our our group. Um, but the, you know, the the question I like to ask you now is is what is the what's the value of reading for a pastor theologian? I've I've asked some of these questions before to Brother Mancino and also Brother Bracamani, um, but I, I w- we want to hear from uh, you today. What is the value of of reading for a pastor theologian? Yeah, I think it just increases your breadth. Um, if if you if if you want breadth, read. If you want depth, write. Um, I, I make it a point now to to try to be more intentional in writing out my sermons. Uh, I may not follow mm-hmm. my notes word for word. Yeah. It does help me, I think, to be more effective sure. in, in communication. Uh, uh, perhaps it wouldn't help everyone. It does help me. But one of the things that uh, prepping that sermon in that way and writing it does for me is is increase the yes. depth of it. Um, you know, making sure that if I'm using a cultural reference, for instance, that it's properly yeah. resourced. So if anybody asks me, well, where, yeah. where did you get that? 
that I don't look dumbfounded, look at my shoes and say, mm. well, I heard it at some conference. Um, I, I think it's important from in today's yeah. age where so-called oh, yeah. fact checking is, is so, uh, is so prevalent, uh, to resource our material well and to make sure that we're not just repeating yes. a story that we've heard. I think some bad exegesis gets packed, mm-hmm. passed along that way. So actually sourcing things as properly as we can, I think, uh, is, is valuable for me. Um, you know, reading should, should be about, um, expanding my vision or my breadth of God's activity in the world or the ways in which we reinforce that mm-hmm. or undermine that. So, um, you know, reading may show me uh, a greater challenge of how to be right. better myself in my Christian walk. It may show me pitfalls. It may deepen theologic understanding, or it may do something that, that sort of, um, shows me human activity. I, I, I enjoy, uh, nonfiction mm-hmm. history me and too. learning about how different people have lived uh, yes. through different cultures and time periods. Um, and some of that is for personal interest and entertainment, but it usually doesn't fail to offer me maybe an illustration that I can pack away that may be useful sometime. Um, earlier in, in ministry, I probably was tempted to uh, preach an illustration and find a scripture that goes with yeah. it. Um, I've, I've started yeah. now to, to really Amen. try to preach text and find an I'm illustration that, that goes that with it. too. Because um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's much more effective. But uh, every now and then you, you find a story you're like, wow, that, uh, that is uh, an amazing, that would, that would arrest yes. someone's attention. Um, in common Pentecostal parlance, we often say, mm. that will preach. Well, uh, there are many things that will preach. And I think we yeah. know what we mean when we say that. I think a, a more pertinent question oh, is man. what will last. Very good. And, um, yes, sir. You know, what will last mm. is the word of God. And so and, an illustration may attract attention. It may move in motion, but those things fade fairly fast. You got 17 seconds on attention. You got maybe 17 minutes on emotion, depending on if there's fried chicken afterwards. But if you, if you can connect people to the word of God, then, then that will last. So reading for me, um, it increases my breadth of understanding uh, both the kingdom of God and this world in which the kingdom of God has come. So um, if I understand more about the, the the field that I'm sowing into or the seed that I'm sowing, then I'm a better farmer. That's what reading does for me. You have to excuse me. I'm still just reeling from the, will that preach? Will it last? That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I'm, 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 Going through a similar season in, in in my life after all of these years, um, and um, you know, looking at the scripture, you know, you get ideas, you get these, you get a story, and um, that used to be a part, you know, of um, how I would create or um, plan a sermon, get a thought, then look for the uh, scripture that would basically back it up. But I'm finding so much more power. Um, and lasting help um, coming from the scripture, uh, birthing from uh, the text itself, and uh, I appreciate you saying that. that is, I'm 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 writing that down. I'm sure we're going to tweet that uh, here in a little bit. But that's fantastic. That's a great question. Will it last? Is the important question. You know, top topical topical is. preaching is great. I agree, uh, Brother Chester. I, uh, um, and 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 I still do a yes. good deal of it. Um, I do try to rein that in some by doing some yes. series, even in, in topical preaching. So two, three times a year, I'll take a, a two, three, four Sunday series and do that even in the topical um, uh, 
venue series offer me a little bit more structure than just sort of sticking up my finger in the wind and saying, what does yes. the Lord want us to say this week? <laughs> now there's a time for that. That's and good. if the Lord, uh, if the Lord, you know, if the Lord has something to say that week, then, um, then, then it's time to right. stop the series. But, you know, I, I think Mike Williams challenges his staff on this. You know, if the Lord can speak to you Saturday night or Sunday morning, he probably could have spoken yep. to you a month ago. It just, I agree. You know, the Lord probably, you know, he, he spoke to Isaiah about Cyrus hundreds of years in advance. So if we're only hearing from him moments before we step to the platform, yeah. then perhaps, um, you know, perhaps the noise, the, the background noise is too high earlier. So, I, you know, I, um, I, I take that to heart. And, and, and what I've done is, is just try to combine it. I, I still do a lot of topical stuff, but I've tried to make room every week in the church's Absolutely. diet for expository yes, preaching. That's where I'm at. And so um, we do that. We do that by our edif- what we call our edify session, which is our, our you know traditional Bible study, our midweek, and and we do that by taking a book and we just do it, you yes. know, verse by verse. And so I found yeah. that to be helpful to absolutely me, because ultimately, you know, most most preachers like to do TED talks and attach scripture <laughs> to it because we think we're very clever and we're very communicative. Yes, but sir. It's true. honestly, um, TED talks TED talks only yeah. last so long. Um, but again, the, the word lasts forever. So that's, that's my challenge. You know, it, do people remember the word and do people remember Jesus at the end of it? Or do they remember, uh, my clever exposition? And, uh, if it's the latter, that's a problem. Very good. Uh, no, I, I totally agree with that. I do believe that there's absolutely room for topical preaching. And just because it's topical preaching doesn't mean it's, uh, you know, immediately out of context. Um, doesn't mean that at all. Um, I think they both can, can, can stay with one another and, and complement one another, uh, but I, but you know, I'm I'm at a place now uh, after twenty something years of ministry, you know, examining examining things and our methods, especially with growing a church. And we do our best to have a steady diet of working through the entire Word of God, line by line, scripture upon scripture. Uh, and I have found really, and I, I confess to this to you, I have found you know because I used to have these two, I used to have these two different trains of thought. It's like if you go through the if you go through the Word. Um, systematically, it was just basically teaching. It was framework teaching, and it would go that route. Inspiration came from topical. Timing of inspiration came from topical. But I have learned that that is just not 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 true. And over the past few years, I have found working through an entire chapter, verse by verse, an entire book, how it will come in a line on something exactly what our church needed on that Wednesday night, four or five lessons in. And to me, it's so powerful just coming from the plan and the execution of going through scripture. So, um, yeah, it does. And, and, uh, the nice thing is when it comes in, then you as a pastor exactly. don't have to apologize for it. It's just exactly. the next, it's, it's, right. it's the next verse. And so and the church knows that. if you're, if you're looking at sister, sister yeah. Jones or brother Smith, you know, you're not, you're not aiming anything at them. It's just the word of God. And I find the, the topical bleeds into the expository and the expository yeah. bleeds into topical. So I start cross-referencing things on what I'm doing on Sunday with Thursday and, and vice versa. So it, it works out. But the bottom line is, you know, that methodology is negotiable. Um, the, the source, yeah. which is the word and the anointing, uh, th- those are not. And so um, if you don't have those, it doesn't matter how you preach. You're preaching badly. <laughs> True. So, um, you know, highlight the word, preach with integrity, have anointing. Um, and that's not necessarily volume. That's just, just the power of God working through us and through our own personalities. And some are going to be, you know, like others and some, some are going to be like others, but mostly we need to be who the Lord has created us to be. And one final comment, I know you got a lot of questions to ask, but this is good. You know, I, I, I think that, um, as ministers, we must be very careful not to preach Mm. for one another. 
mm. and to one another. Um, we we need to we need to preach yeah. to our audience, and so Excellent. you know one of the first rules of exegesis is find out yeah. who the speaker was speaking to. And so if we're if we're really crafting a sermon because we think this would be really good at a conference, um, it it might be. But if you're not at that conference, don't preach go. to that conference. Preach to the preach people to that are in front of you. And so, so, so sometimes that that uh, you know we, we can all be guilty of that because we. We want to do our best. We want to be crafty. We want to be, you know, we we want people to think we, we did a good we job. We want to be remembered. <laughs> but I mean, uh, that's, that's the truth. You yeah, want the thought yeah. remembered. And, well, that's all, all that. There's all that training for years. That's and you want to be clever. I mean, you want hooks. You want to be able to capture someone's mind. But it's got to be more than just a clever uh, thought or just a remember of thought. Again, going back to your uh, framework there, I man. I'm gonna I'm gonna share that. Um, will it last? Will it last? Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not advocating for bad speaking. I'm advocating Absolutely. for good preaching. But sometimes, sometimes good speaking That's is bad true. preaching. So it, it's, it's all about what you know, yes. who's remembered and what's highlighted. Do, do they remember the word? Uh, do, and do they remember the word, uh, the written word and the living word? And 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 yes, you know, if if they don't, then whatever the spoken word was, very good. Failed. Very good. I appreciate the comments here. I know we went a little longer on that one, but we're making good time. We're making really good time. That's yeah. what edits are for, <laughs> and we do. We can we can do some editing if necessary. Um, you know, with with you being an uh, associate editor, um, brother Jackson. You know what's what's happening. Uh, what's in the near future with the AR uh, community? What, what's ex- what's got you excited? Uh, whatever Brock says, we're going to do. <laughs> that's what we'll do. Uh, uh, you know, we we brought this podcast online. Uh, I know he has some YouTube stuff. But I mainly engage with AR through the uh, the Twitter community. Um, I, I really find the engagement there yeah. really exciting. Um, most of us just trying to avoid our mailboxes because <laughs> our wives are fed up with Mancino sending us mountains. I call it the Ma- Mancino mountains. Mount, uh, one of Mount Mancino. One of them. One of them <laughs> Mount the Mancino. Uh, one of one of one of his one of his foothills <laughs> fell on my younger twin about a month ago, and uh, my oh, my funny. wife has a, a magic way of communicating with her eyebrows. Like if if she ever loses her voice for a surgery or something, like during that recovery period, she'll be awesome because she can communicate almost everything she needs to through her eyebrows. Like, and we got, we got like a one, one centimeter rise and that's a, Mm -hmm. that's like yellow alert. And, uh, you know, she raised her eyebrow and she's like, I, I, I kind of told you this was going to happen. And so, uh, she left it in the floor for me to see when I came home from work, which I knew, I knew right then we were, you know, that sign that says thin ice was five (laughs) yards back. So it was a, it was a, it was a fun thing. So, you know, um, my my dream is this community yeah. will grow um, and continue in edif- edification for um, apostolics across different fellowships um, that we can engage with God fearing people who are professing Christ outside of of our particular movement um, that we can uh, learn from and they can learn from us um, and that's already happening to a great degree but I'd, I'd love to see all of those things continue that we can remain distinctively apostolic. And then, um, you know, down the road, I'd like to see us become an imprint where we, um, offer maybe a middle road of mm-hmm. publishing where it's not quite an academic house, yeah. but it would be, um, you know, looked at by pastor theologians for yeah. pastor theologians. And that would kind of be, uh, maybe our little niche of, of publishing okay. somewhere between self-publishing and, and, you know, going to Baker academic or something that we would, we would kind of occupy that role, but that's, 
that's my dream. It may not be where the community goes, but it, I, it's something we've talked about and something. Yes, sir. About. So I, I want to forego just a couple of those questions getting, I know, I know we're going to have a couple long stops at, at some of the upcoming questions, but I would like to uh, ask you, and it's always a, a common question, especially around young uh, AR uh, members, young pastors. Uh, what's, what's your personal reading plan? Uh, what is what does the the day in the week look like for Pastor Doctor Dad uh, Jackson? Yeah, well, if you if you talk about how to get more reading in, you know, I usually do one or two audio books mm-hmm. at a time, and I kind of listen to what I want to listen to. So I think that what's made me more productive in reading over the years is not to read mm. one book at a time. Some people need to do that to, to yeah. take things in. Um, I tend to want to do more than one thing. In it. I'm a very tactile learner, so I, I kind of underline my books and stuff like that, and um, I write notes, and then I write in the flyleafs the books, and so it, it looks like graffiti like everywhere it. when I read, but um, I, I do Me that. Too. So, you know, I'll have I'll have three or four analog books lying around the house or in my truck or et cetera, and uh, then uh, I'll do one or two audio books at a time. I typically reserve audio books for things that are not going to be particularly mm-hmm. rich mm-hmm. spiritually. So for example, the nonfiction history, you know, like right now I'm listening to a, about a lady who ran a thousand member spy network in world war two in France. So it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, so far, I don't think there's much that I'll maybe use right. in any way, but I'm just learning more about history through that. Um, and then I'm listening to an NT Wright book mm. uh, on audio, but that's probably a big mistake because I keep going back to the analog book right. and trying to find what I listen to and I'm underlining it because that's, that's really kind of been influential for me. Um, and then, um, you know, two or three things. So I try to read, I try to read some leadership stuff. I try to read some, uh, some theology stuff. I try to read some history stuff, some classics stuff, and then, um, try to, try to read some, uh, Pentecostal mm. biography stuff. Uh, cause that kind of inspires me in a little bit different way. I mean, you pick up flying full throttle about mm. Benny DeMerchant and you get about two chapters in that and you realize you haven't accomplished much and you're not <laughs> going to accomplish much. So it really, it does more for my humility than reading like 17 period right. books on humility. Sorry, Tony, <laughs> but uh, it just, uh, those, those, those apostolic biographies, whether they're contemporary or, or early century, they're just, yeah. there's something unique about those that kind of, it feels like home cooking mm. that punches you in the gut. Um, so my reading plan is to, is to always have a book with me and to take advantage of dead time rather than just checking scores or reading, you know, scrolling through the Apple news or whatever, um, or getting caught up in CNN at the airport, trying to find those extra moments when I'm yeah. waiting on a plane or waiting on something or this or that, or changing the oil or whatever that I can, that I can take advantage and kind of redeem some of that time. Excellent. Solid advice. Solid advice, brother. Um, I want to I want to go ahead and get with one of the uh, questions from our AR uh, community, uh, brother Galen Water- Walters. Everybody loves this man, uh, co-author to Into His Marvelous Light Bible Study. Uh, he messaged us, I think it was last night, and uh, this is a good segue. Um, but his question is: How do you balance? How do you balance doctor, dad to twins, pastor of a new church plant, reading the volume of material? he mentions and maintain his marriage. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a big well, one. I, I, I don't mm. balance it very well. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to steal one of Aaron Soto's thoughts here um, that, that he shared with 
with our mutual good friend, Charles Robinette. And, and, you know, balance mm. is elusive, but fairness yeah. is achievable. And I so like in any 24 hour day, any 24 hour day, you say, did, uh, did the family get what they needed? Did the church get what they needed? Did, did Jesus get what he needed? Did, uh, you know, did the practice get what it needed? And, you know, did you have a chance to blow off steam? Well, in any 24 hour day, that balance is probably not exactly right. And the percentages that I'd like to mm -hmm. divvy up time that's waking hours, et cetera. And then, you know, rest for the body, you know, did, you, you can't stay up 24 hours, you know, 17 days straight. So, you know, that, that makes even Navy yes, SEALs sir. crazy. So what do you, what do you, you know, how do you, how do you do that? Well, what brother Soto says is you can be fair. So, uh, you know, on Sunday morning, the kids are not going to get what they're going to get mm. on Monday night. Um, cause it's, we're, yeah. we're, uh, we don't have a, we don't have a professional staff. We're, yes. we're all volunteers and it's a church plant. And so there's a lot that goes into that, that two thirty afternoon service. And so, you know, that, that prep is going to be ongoing. And so, you know, it's going to be a quick hug and kiss and, and maybe a few things, but you know, you just can't do that every day in a row for a long time. You, you gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta make it right and you gotta make it fair. There has to be times when they know that they're, they're the top priority and, and, um, uh, it's, it's, it's true across multiple relationships. I'm very blessed, uh, in my practice in that, um, uh, I have a wonderful group of people that carry on the work. So through life, when I've been successful, I've been successful at team building. And when I've been unsuccessful, I've been unsuccessful at team building. And I, I think new Testament ministry is a lot more bivocational and a lot more associated with mm. plurality than we have made it in mm. Pentecostal circles, particularly in the sure. 20th century. Um, we, we were taught that by other uh, religious groups, and there were denominations that taught us that it was glorious to be in the full-time service of the mm -hmm. gospel, and that's in air quotes and golden letters. Um, actually, in the New Testament, that's not the majority of ministry, and, uh, and a single person leading a church is not the is, is not the most common New right. Testament model. And some would tell you it's not the New Testament model in any, in any setting. So, um, although we, we really wear a badge of being restorationist and doing things as the apostles mm -hmm. did things, uh, this is one area where I don't think that we have hewed very closely to the first century model. I think we've, we've hewed much more closely to the, um, early 20th century, uh, let's say mm -hmm. Baptist and Methodist model. And it's, what's interesting is that if you look at mission, um, mission stalls when you get, uh, one person at the top and when you get uh, professional staff, um, that are not externally oriented. And so, um, you know, the Methodists did great as long as, you know, the Methodists were mobile and the Baptists did great as long as the Baptists mm -hmm. were bivocational and they became the top two Christian groups in America in very short order because they were very externally motivated. They were very, it, it had a, a, a sense mm. of being sent and, uh, you know, the circuit riding preachers, the mobile Methodist and the bivocational Baptists that were intentionally bivocational because they felt like it gave them a reach into the community. And so for me, um, you know, doing those things, I, I, you know, I, I intend to, if the Lord will let me to always be bivocational. I mean, for us, to be honest, 60% of our new birth experiences since the birth of our church uh, have been directly tied to a workplace mm. connection for our leader, for our leadership team. So if I were to say to everyone who's serving in any capacity, Hey, you know, right. we just had a billionaire contribution. Yeah. All of you are hired hundred percent right now. It would actually, yeah. 
it would actually mm. hurt the church. So um, we need that community connection. Fantastic and so for me, that's not a hindrance. It's actually, it's, it's actually an augmentation pack for the growth of our church. Oh, that's good. That is so good. The, the, the short thing is my, my wife is very patient with me and, you know, she, she grew up in a ministerial home, so she knows what it is when, you know, people have needs and, you know, if dinner's hot right then and somebody's in crisis, you know, she, she knows what that is. And so, you know, frankly, the, the crises are not what gets you. It's yes. the daily grind of assessment very of time good. and what the priorities are. That's what undermines very relationships. Uh, almost everyone understands mm-hmm. the crisis. Almost no one can understand Man. daily neglect. Yes, and sir. So, uh, just 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 trying to keep keep things real and make sure things are are okay and, and balanced uh I, I said i said okay and balanced i said that's not achievable but in in 24 hours balance mm. is elusive but if you can't if you can't get balanced in 24 days yeah. you have a problem completely agree and uh you know my problem my problem while we're talking about how i manage it is that you know i grew up um relatively poor um in uh, social status and economic status. Um, we lived in a $3,000 trailer. Our lot rent was $50 a month and my mother made $103 wow. a week. And, um, uh, I didn't have any athletic talent. Um, and so, uh, achievement was my sort of mm-hmm. golden rung of the ladder to, to climb out of poverty and, and, uh, and want, you Now we were never hungry and, and God blessed us. And so I, I want to be very yeah. careful here, but, um, what I'm saying is the effect of that on me was I learned that the way to be accepted and affirmed by people was through achievement. So I think a lot of us in the helping professions, be it physical ministry or spiritual ministry, we get there uh, by being acceptance and affirmation mm. junkies, if you will. And so I think that leads to a lot of imbalance that, that others yeah. don't put on ourselves. I think we just keep reaching yes, for sir. the next need because we have our own internal need of affirmation. So. What I've learned is I do a lot better job of of being a good steward when I'm at the source, not just because he gives me more power, uh, but because he gives me true value. And so if I know that he values me, then I don't need to do one more task or write one more book or post one more thing or do that much more of a profound job or affect one more person yeah. positively to feel like my life has worth. So, um you know, that's, that's where it starts for me. And when that gets out of whack, I get way I out understand. of whack. Pretty well, you've, you've mentioned, um, a couple of times already, uh, the great work there, you, you and your family are doing it at, in Arlington. And, uh, we, we, you guys have a great, uh, great social media presence. Uh, folks are able to follow along what you're doing and, uh, you're posting, but why don't, won't you tell us a little bit about, um, about this, where you're currently pastoring, how long you've been serving there and, and just kind of what's happening. Well, there's a pastoral team. Uh, the the senior pastor is my father-in-law, Doug Ellingsworth, and um, he, uh, some years ago, had a dream and a vision to plant a church in the Memphis metro area. And what's interesting is that at the time, he was pastoring in a very small town in northwest Tennessee uh, mm. called Finley, Tennessee, which is an hour and 15 minutes away, uh, just about any way you get there except <laughs> helicopter. And so uh, it uh, it's kind of interesting. What, what's this rural pastor doing with a, a, mm-hmm. a metro dream? But uh he just kept praying through it and everything. And so, um, uh, Jan and I, we live in Arlington. We, you know, I had had a dream of planting a church there for some time. And so through a series of circumstances and stops and starts, uh, similar to when, you know, Paul and his crew are 
you know, they, they go in three different directions. And finally, they, the, the only possible direction they could go is where the God wanted them, right. which is Macedonia. So true. So uh, we, we, we didn't quite do that. We didn't quite do that that badly. We didn't bat 250, but, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't have everything perfect the first time, but we, we wound up uh, planting t- two, two years ago and the Lord has been very good to us. Uh, we have a good group of people who really love the Lord. Um, we have, uh, a number of God fearing people who, um, had not experienced yet, uh, the power of the Holy spirit, the new birth experience. Um, and so, uh, those folks are, are learning about that. And many of them have experienced it. Um, as I said, some connections through the workspace, uh, and then, uh, also we have some folks that, um, have served faithfully, um, in w- within our apostolic doctrine and covenant, um, that have, uh, felt to, to help and serve there. And so, um, the Lord's blessed us and, and we now have a, um, number of Bible studies are ongoing Super. and we're, we're meeting regularly. And so, uh, we're just, we're thankful, you know, we, we, we don't know what that looks like, uh, in terms of, of growth and, and what all will happen. But my father-in-law said something quite profound. I think he said, whatever God had in mind when he said, I'm going to build a church, there's no reason that that That's DNA it. can't be fully yes, expressed sir. here. So whatever that, whatever yeah. that means in terms of size of congregation, uh, the composition of the congregation, the, uh, what I do know is it will be um, continue to be community focused. That when we we say circle up, we're going to face yes. outward, not inward, and uh, we're going to be uh, oriented toward people who need God. So uh, that's 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 what we're working toward, and the, and the Lord is blessing us. Excellent, Brother Jackson. Thank you for for sharing that, um, Brother um, Clayton Killian. Uh, we actually have a uh, a podcast episode with him. Uh, just to put a little point of reference here. Uh, you should go check that out. Brother Bracamani did a great job with him, but he he messaged us last night and he has some questions for you. Uh, actually, he's got he's got three, I believe. Yes, three questions. <laughs> that's 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 just what? like him. Uh, but uh, I'm a I'm a fan of Clayton Jackson oh. Killian. So uh, for 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 obvious reasons, yeah. <laughs> that's great. So this uh, let's start here. He says, "Who is your favorite author, and why is it C.S. Lewis?" <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I probably I probably quote Lewis uh, in my sermons more than more than any other author. Um, Lewis was to non-apostolic Christianity, I think, to me, what Tom Trimble is to apostolic mm. Christianity is someone who has a firm finger on the pulse of culture, but has a firm footing on biblical wow. reality. And Lewis wasn't afraid to call well, that so, out. Uh, his challenge, his challenge was modernity. Ours mm. is post-modernity. Um, in, in Lewis's day, people believe nothing in our day. Mm-hmm. People believe everything. Um, but he had a clarion call for regardless if you think that there is not a God and rationality and scientism rules the universe. Lewis said, that's, mm. that's bonkers. Um, you know, this is, this is a, it's a 200 year fad that's going to fade and, uh, we need to, to root ourselves in the in the kingdom of God. So I think that's why I, I really have an affinity for Lewis's work. Same reason that I love to listen to my friend, uh, Tom mm. Trimble sermons. They just seem to have that, uh, that yeah. rich warp and woof of culture and scripture, uh, together, which is, uh, is quite, uh, quite astounding to me. Um, there are other authors that, that I think, uh, I have favorite authors for, for different reasons. Uh, um, I think, uh, Kaim Potok, who's a Jewish author, uh, does the best job of anyone I've ever read explaining what it mm. is to live a covenant lifestyle 
within a larger mm. uh, culture, um, what it is to be a semi-closed society. Potok uh, really uh, investigated the life of the of the Orthodox Jewish community through mid-century, 20th mm-hmm. century America and the rest of the world. Uh, his book, The Chosen, if you've not read it, I think um, ministered to me in a way of being an apostolic Christian, uh, maybe more so than 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 any book mm-hmm. I've ever read. Um, and and you know how how does a Jewish person speak to an apostolic Christian about covenantal lifestyle? Well, there are probably some connections that you would understand, but it's it's just a it's a wonderful work. And uh, uh, he's Lewis and Potok are two of the authors that I kind of want to have everything that they that they that they wrote and. Uh, except for his literary criticism, I think I've read everything Lewis wrote and, and everything that 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 Potok wrote. Um, uh, in in our circles, I think that you know anything by J.T. Pugh in yes. terms of devotional reading is uh, uh, is amazing. Oswald Chambers mm. outside our circles for devotional reading. I, I think the greatest book for Christian leaders I've ever yes. read is my most yes, highest. Um, I I use it as my daily devotional, you know, every two or three years, just because to go back to it is to to revisit mm-hmm. an old friend that socks you in the mouth uh, and reminds you that you're not that great. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really really yes, humbling uh, to read uh, his his dedication. Um, you know, in terms of favorite authors, in terms of contribution, I, I think uh, among contemporary apostolics, you, you have to mention yes. Brother Bernard front and center because. Uh, he has con- he's raised the bar for the expectation in terms of historical yes, review, uh, in terms of, of exegesis, um, uh, coming face-to-face with contemporary scholarship. And I think he's blazed a trail for many contemporary apostolic theologians in the academy that uh, both, you know, mm. Urshan and other uh, apostolic academies, but also non-apostolic academies to, to you know, do peer-reviewed work, to engage with the non-apostolic community um, on an equal footing and uh, not in an antagonistic way, but also not in uh, apologetic right. way. Uh, and, and I speak in, in a emotional terms, right. not the technical term of explaining our faith to others. Um, and so I, I think we have to, 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 to give him place on the top bookshelf there because of that. And, and I think uh, just, you know, if you want to talk about time management, he's a guy you ought to ask because, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, unbelievable. I mean, um, Tony has read his thousands, but David has read his ten thousands. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I'm just like I, you know, at a swam ten laps in my uh, pool. I fed, yes. a, fed a ten point buck from my own hand from the apples that I planted I twenty years ago, uh, and and taught three Bible studies. It, it, it's just I'm, I'm obviously being facetious, but his his personal productivity yeah. is. Uh, is is uh it's it's one of those lifestyles and biographies sort of like the merchant where i just look at it and go okay i'm back to you lord because what i'm doing is not going to work and i need you to decide what i do because i can't do what these guys do so um and i, I let me lay the side that this facetious to be very clear to anyone who's listening i i honor people who are used and you know one talent people have a problem with confidence five talent people have a problem mm. with focus and uh for the rest of us uh, that are somewhere in the middle uh, you know, it depends on the day and how much coffee we've had. So <laughs> well I think put. that I, well I, I think that the, 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 the genius and the value of reading about five talent people who use their talents uh, very effectively is understanding that we can have focus and that we don't have to set one talent mm-hmm. aside in order to use another that, you know, let God do the pruning. Very you good. just grow and he'll, t- he'll, he'll, Excellent. he'll take care of it. 
Excellent. Well, you named some 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 great authors, great references there, uh, Brother Jackson. We thank you for that. Appreciate that. What is your most impactful read so far? We know we got a, a guys listening, wanting references, and uh, they look at yourself and 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 what's going on in your life, and would like to know, you know, just kind of what's what's uh, what's hitting the meter for you, uh, what's standing out to you, what's what's been some some impact for you uh, in your reads this year. Well, you know that um, we interviewed yeah. Daniel Henderson for one of our podcasts. His his book, The Glorious Finish, devotionally and and leadership structure for me, and you know, kind of what ministry is about, and and yes. staying in our lane and understanding who we are. That had a deep personal yes. impact on me uh, this year, and, and and I think it, uh, it it's a book that I'll go back to many times. Daniel himself has such a humility and such a uh, it, it is very clear that Daniel spends a lot of time in the Lord's presence. Very true. And so, again, he's he's writing from outside our perspective, uh, but he's writing things that um, uh, have personally challenged me to to a great degree. So I, this year, I'd have to put Daniel's book in that category, The Glorious Finish. Um, uh, I've, I've read a, uh, uh, I wouldn't say a good bit of N.T. Wright this year, but yeah. from a preaching standpoint, N.T. Wright's concept yes. of the kingdom of God challenged me to realize that I probably was not emphasizing about the Gospels, uh, a right. huge portion of what the Gospels were about. So um, I really had to take stock of that. And so I responded by just finishing a four <laughs> Sunday series on the kingdom <laughs> of God. <laughs> so uh, uh, if you look at what, you know, what, what meals I've been eating, it was Daniel Henderson. There you go. Uh, if it, what meals I was, what meals I was serving the people, uh, at at our cafeteria, that was um, that was uh, or what we were preparing together. That was uh, N.T. Wright and in, in, in any of his stuff about the kingdom of God. You know how how God became king. I, I you know obviously Wright is writing from a Trinitarian uh, perspective, and I think that um, you know I'd like for him to see that that Jesus mm-hmm. was king, uh, not that you know he was a venue for God mm-hmm. showing his kingship only. It was that, but uh, you know. Maybe one day we can have tea and talk about that. But uh, you know, I I, I value Absolutely. his work and his contribution. Similarly, uh, another uh, non-apostolic scholar, um, Michael Heiser, mm. the Unseen Realm. This was handed to me by an Assembly of God church planner um, who attends our congregation on Sunday afternoons when he can. He said, "Hey, read this book. See what you think about it." And uh, I have to admit the the concept of the divine council. I really hadn't paid a lot of attention to in scripture and it sort of changed the way I look at some text and some things that uh, I've always been a fan of how Pentecost reverses Babel mm. and what that sort of uh, means and languages. And so he adds a whole new layer um, Heiser does to that. So uh, those are some books that I've found helpful in terms of personal devotion preaching in terms of culture and what's going on and how not to get mad at Fox news <laughs> and CNN and M- MSNBC yeah. and, and all of that. And uh, fact check everybody and blue yeah. check and red check here check there check everywhere check check um, uh, how the how the West was was lost that hideous strength by mm-hmm. uh, Tinker Melvin Tinker um, if you got twelve books spend it today um, that book kind of prophetically explains what's going on in our in our postmodern wow. culture and uh, I think Tinker gets almost everything right. Uh, if you don't want to read that one, Rod Dreher kind of explains what to do about it. It's not as academic as Tinker. I think Tinker is richer, but I think Dreher may be a little more practical in terms of, uh, you know, should your children be in public schools? Uh, this year has led me to mm. a different answer than I previously had. 
uh, through reading those two authors this year. So in my personal family and kind of understanding culture, Tinker and Dreyer um, have definitely affected me this year. Well, thank, thank you for that. Thank you for also mentioning the glorious finish. I, I, I'd like to add just a personal comment. Absolutely impacted me in such a um, profound way. You know, you referred the book and uh, it's, it's been the talk, you know, um, any, anyone that would like to know uh, what I would suggest I, without a hesitation, that's the book that I refer is such a book for the times and so important, uh, especially as ministers, to read through that um, and take in that, that 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 fantastic inspiration. So thank you. Um, he, brother, um, got one more question from Brother uh, Killian. Um, what are your current writing projects, Brother, brother Jackson? <sighs> Their name is Legion, for they are many. <laughs> That's great. Oh, that's great. And right now, right now, they're about as organized and effective, except Legion was a Legion. The guy that had Legion was able to worship okay. God despite it so all. Are so, we, are we to interpret oh, the pigs? Oh, we're going to end up with the, with the, with the books. Oh, my heavens, my heavens. No, uh, there, there are no swine here. Uh, the question is, are there pearls? So, um, the, I'm, I'm working. Um, I'm, I say I'm nearly finished. Uh, I have a project called mm-hmm. Apostolic People. Um, uh, you know, we're we're really good at at doctrine. Uh, we're really good at distinctions, and and I rejoice that the contemporary generation has doubled down on that. Uh, we're mm-hmm. good at demonstration. We love that. Um, I don't think we're awesome at delegating authority. Um, Accurate. Uh, so that has led us to not not have the dominion Excellent. that we need to have. Yes, sir. Um, uh, I think we're pretty good on devotion, but the digital world is hurting us some and helping us some. Um, but we, I think we really need to embrace apostolic destiny. And what I mean by that is, you know, apostoline means to send mm. ones or, or to be sent. And I, I think if we're not externally focused, if we're not going to be missional, I think we should just be honest and stop calling ourselves apostolic. Go. Because um, the, the root word of it, you know, even beyond doctrine and distinctions, uh, and not to leave those aside, but 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 uh, we we yes. have to be sent. So if if we're if we're sending, we're apostolic. If we're sitting, uh, they did that for mm, a little bit. They the Holy Ghost fell when they were seated, but it didn't stay on them long oh, before they were good. sending. So I love I, that. I, I'm concerned that we're that I'm concerned that we like to gather, and that's okay for people that came from the wrong side of the tracks and. You know, we were brush arbor people. We were rotten tomato people. You know, it's easy for me to say because yeah. I wasn't JTP. I didn't get my head rubbed into a brick wall because right. I preached this message. It's right. never happened to me. It may in the future, but not now. Um, and so we gathered and we wanted to build and and we wanted to be recognized and we wanted cultural affirmation. I, I, I get wanting to have a crowd, but, um, you know, I, I, I so honor Brother James Blackshear for preaching at the United Pentecostal Church General Conference this year, the, the opening sermon, uh, he, he said, you know, it's easy to give an offering to missions, but will you give your best mm. singers? Will you give your best preachers? Will you yeah. give your best musicians to build so to good. build the church in the next town? And wouldn't I love, wouldn't wouldn't you love to see um, every church commit to making a preaching mm-hmm. point in the next town uh, that was unchurched? Could could wouldn't it be wonderful if every metro yeah. neighborhood in America had an apostolic witness? And so um, I'm working on that. Okay, enough about that. You can't ask people about their writing projects. They, they ramble on and on. You just learn why it's not finished, right? Excellent. Um, um, there's a broader work on authority, which is where the apostolic book started, on the the cultural uses of authority and the abuses of authority and and the restoration of proper authority. 
um, that, that I'm working on. That's that that should be hopefully number two. Working on a commentary of James, which may come out first because I already have some material that I can transcribe. Uh, trying to get Killian to do a, a, a translation so we could have a new translation and commentary come out Super. at the same time. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll call him out on that. <laughs> Challenge. <laughs> it's so not fair. So not fair. I'm sorry, Clayton. I did talk to him privately first. Um, and then uh, one of my dreams is to do a kind of a biblical anthropology book. Uh, where, wh- what, is, what is wellness? Mm. What is illness? That uh, looks at the mental, physical, and social aspects of humanity, how we're recreated, how it goes wrong, and how Christ restores it. So that's kind of out of a, a, a graduate seminar that I do at UGST. Um, and uh, kind of marries sort of the, the physical ministry with the spiritual ministry. And, and uh, I'd, I'd like to do that. And I do have some material, but uh, I, I have to keep righty tidy on the project list or where uh, I go, you know, just get too, just, it, I get too diffuse and it doesn't sure. work. So I, I need to, I need to not, not work on that at all right now. <laughs> too much else to work on. Well, we've covered a lot. Uh, I had to do this again um, soon. But um, I want to I want to get one more question on a, on a lighter side of things. Um, there's always that guy in the community. Thankful for Brother Whitley, um, but he's got a very important question. I mean, there's there's so much on the line for this, and so here it comes. And many of us want to know your opinion on this, being a local. But what is the best? The best. There has to be number one barbecue in Memphis. Go. The best barbecue. The best barbecue in Memphis is the one that when you roll down your window, you can smell it because it's close well, enough to have go. access to. This is it's like, what's the best apostolic church? The one that you can serve, the one that you can serve in good, good conscience that has integrity uh, filled leadership. So um, at, people know about the rendezvous. People that's know true. about Porky's. People know about Germs, Germantown yeah. Commissary. All that's great. Doesn't make my top three. And and I've, I, I love me. all three, but um, I, um, uh, I like a little place mm. called Baby Jacks. They've got two locations, one in Arlington, one in one in Bartlett. So it's Memphis metro area. It's a very smoky barbecue, which I like. Um, and they have a hot, hot sauce, which is a resin sauce that will not change your life, but it will change your week. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Um, and we, won't, we won't unpack all the meaning of that, but uh, it, it will change your week. Um, I, I love it. I'm kind of like Jew with making the mess. I love it. I love that sauce. So my wife laughs at me to put too much on my, on my sandwich. But um, two other places to mention, um, with all the barbecues in Memphis, the only world champion barbecuist in Memphis is actually female, mm-hmm. Melissa Cooks. She has a place called Memphis yes. Barbecue Company. It's an Fantastic. outback uh, in South Haven. And Melissa has a good place. Um, so that's, that's just worth it to go in and see her trophies and all that and to, to realize that a traditionally male-dominated industry um, in Memphis, the pinnacle of that industry has been achieved by, by a lady, which I think is just kind of neat. And, uh, on that same vein for a, a, a more, that's, that's kind of a, a gentrified experience. Uh, like I said, a converted outback restaurant, um, which you'd recognize the architecture, uh, 50 miles up the road in Brownsville, Tennessee, there's a place called Helen's barbecue, which is more of a, a true pit mm-hmm. with a shack over it. Um, uh, everything is, is dated to 1968 or before pretty much. And not because it's retro and chic because it's just been there. And Helen, um, has won awards from the, the NAACP, uh, other community organizations for being a pioneer as a pit mistress, uh, not only, not only female, but African-American. And, uh, she has a marvelous family run restaurant. And, uh, if you go to Helen's, uh, you can ask for Mr. Clay's sauce, which is slightly hotter than the average sweet sauce that she has. So uh, <laughs> it's just, I, I love, I love, I love Helen. She's been featured in Garden and Gun and uh, it's a, 
it is a side of the road pit Excellent. experience. And, uh, it is, it's my personal favorite barbecue experience of any, just because I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to visit there. I feel good. I feel good. Glad, glad you answered this way. I'm a, I'm a Memphis barbecue company fan. Uh, it's top of the list. Okay. Every time, every time we, uh, end up in Memphis, we will have to, uh, go by there. Never did baby Jack. So I'm going to have to give that a try here. You heard it here, folks. That's the, that's the Memphis barbecue. We need to print that and hand out leaflets all over Memphis. The doctor's pick of, uh, yeah, it's a, Whitley said this wasn't a real question. It was a test. So, uh, so, uh, I, I hope I passed the test, but, uh, yeah, if, if I fail the test, yeah. I'm still I, gonna I, have I jokingly said so that because brother Whitley and I have, have, we, we yeah. have a lot of experience, those Memphis meetings and eating rendezvous That's porkies right. and, uh, uh, Memphis barbecue. Oh, you're so you're the yeah. one who said it was a test. You yeah. knew what the yeah. answer was. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. I Good. try Helens Good. now. Now Brownsville, that's over near, is that near Covington? Is that over on the Covington side? Yeah. It is. It's exit 56 I on I-40, so I'm it's I'm going to have to make to. that stop easy with Brother Jackson. To. What a privilege, my friend. I feel like this has been just so edifying, edifying and a blessing for my soul. I know it's going to be a blessing to those that are uh, uh, listening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one more thing. I didn't include that in the notes to show you, but Brother uh, Mitchell uh, had a comment that he wanted me um, to know, and I wanted to read it, and I, I think he says this perfectly, but he says that uh, brother Mitchell's brother Aaron Mitchell. He says uh, he has less of a question, more of a statement. He said, "I want to thank him. I want to thank Doctor Jackson for his personal transparency and honesty about God and life, as well as his obedience to the Spirit. These are rare traits." I say well, amen to that. That's uh, that's that's so humbling. I you know, um, my mom raised me on the scripture that that lady that made one hundred three dollars a week and. Uh, gave to missions and all that, all that stuff. My my mom, when I would bring home an A from school or something, she she would say Luke twelve forty eight mm. to whom much is given, much is required. And uh, you know, I I am truly banking on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God, because if Luke twelve forty eight really is true and it really is inspired then I'm going to have quite an yeah. accounting to do because I've been yes, given sir. so much. Um, I've been given so much help in this life. My, my trajectory has not been a seamless mm. linear biography through the, the classic uh, religious circles. And my life has, has had several bombs go off in it. And, uh, you know, not all because of external circumstances. You know, I, I've uh, like my, like my three-year-old twin, I've, I've made some of my own messes. And, and I tell you, um, I, when you get to midlife, you you kind of you kind of know mm. where your strengths and weaknesses are, and I'm so thankful for the relationships that I have. Um, this community is incredibly yes, valuable to me. Um, it's a hybrid community of analog communication. Some of us see each other from time to time, but uh, mostly digital because of distance. But um, I'm thankful for those that have been patient with me. Um, it's in jobs God's job description to do that, but. Um, other people have been enough like go. him to, to be patient with me and to love me and to invest in me. And, uh, so I, I'm truly thankful for that. Yes, sir. Thanks to Aaron for saying it, but it only, it only reminds me that, uh, we do have sure a long way to go. And, uh, you, you mentioned, you mentioned Henderson's book and he really has the most profound biblical exegesis I've ever read of what moral success and mm. moral failure is. And, uh, I think moral success is, is just, follow him all the way. What Eugene Peterson calls discipleship, a, a long journey in mm. the same direction, a long obedience yes, in the same direction. And so 
Lord, help us all to to be obedient. Would, would it be okay if I prayed oh, for man, our that'd listeners be, now? That'd be would fantastic. That, yes, sir. That I feel the spirit. Yes, acceptable? sir. We want to thank you, God, for the opportunity to laugh. I want to thank you for the opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for the opportunity to listen. But Lord, we most of all want to thank you for the opportunity to love. And what I feel even now through these airways is the love that people have for you, the love that people have for the knowledge and the truth that you share and the love that they have for one another. As each of us in a halting, imperfect way attempts to lift your light and your glory to the nations, beginning at our driveway and our dinner table and extending as far as you allow our light to reach. We are now your sons and daughters. It doesn't appear what we're going to be yet, but we believe your servant, John, who says one day it's all going to be revealed because we're going to see you truly and fully. I pray for every person who hears this podcast to be inspired by your spirit, to have holy friends that provoke them to good works, to read things and hear things that draw them closer to you, and to find work that engages their heart, mind, and soul that they can truly do in your name and for your glory. And may they be blessed in it. May we be humble in achievement. May we be resilient in defeat. May we be gracious in all things. And may we truly reflect the glory that is in your face. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jackson. What a, what a great thing. What a great time we've had. And uh, we appreciate your investment uh, in the kingdom. Um, but we thank you for your investment in the apostolic community. Uh, we love you and appreciate you, bro. bro and uh, thank, you, thank you for being a part of today's podcast. Back at you. I know what your salary is, and you're worth <laughs> far more. <laughs> thank you. We hope you've enjoyed the, the podcast today. God bless you, folks. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the Apostolic Review, please visit apostolicreview.com.